0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Full Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to God's Full Story. My name is Ryan. I am here today with Chelsea and Brooke. Hey
2: Hey.
1: (laughs) And we are uh, bouncing around the Gospels. Uh, We're always doing that these days, which is great. We love that. Um, And there's a a couple big, you know, a couple big stories we're going to get to. We'll get to the parable of the sower today, which if you've been in church circles, you've probably heard before. Um, And, you know, there's some challenging stuff. There's some interesting stuff. So here we go.
0: Here we go. I first want to point out that Jesus went on tour. (laughs) The very (laughs) first thing we read, Jesus went on tour. (laughs) And he had groupies. Um,
1: yeah, they were called disciples. I <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I love that we talk about the women that follow him because they are, um, I don't know who's, who's, who Susanna is. Um, but the description of these women is very, is very interesting. Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's business manager. So Herod, who probably would not have been a fan of Jesus. And the like the people who followed Herod would not have been a fan of Jesus. Um, His business manager, this guy's wife, is following Jesus and giving her his money. Nope, giving him her money. (laughs) Pronouns are hard.
1: Also, her money is most likely his money.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm assuming Shuza was not too happy about that, but it's interesting that these women are, yeah, giving out their own resources. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, An interesting thing that you could do is read through the New Testament and just pay attention to the types of people that follow Jesus and how. Uh, not similar. They are. Yeah. So you have Mary Magdalene who had seven demons cast out of her. She's a, a low level society person. I mean, demon possessed women probably were not super popular yeah. <laughs> and probably did not have a lot of friends. Um, uh, but then you have this, this wife, the business business manor, Oh my goodness. This wife <laughs> of the <laughs> business manager of shoes. It's Monday morning guys. um, she would have been more affluent, for sure. Yeah. I mean, being connected to Herod is a big deal. Uh, being connected to Herod as a business manager just carries a lot of connotations, very similar to what it would today. Yeah. Um, so these are people that would not get along that are directly connected to following Jesus.
0: You think Joanna would have been Jewish?
1: There's a chance. I mean, Herod, Herod had a foot in both worlds. Yeah. So he was very involved with the Jews and very involved with the Romans. Um, I would guess most likely she was Jewish.
0: I would guess that too. Um,
1: But there's a chance that she wasn't. And (laughs) and at any rate, most likely a lot of people around Herod were just secular Jews. They didn't actually Mm -hmm. believe a lot of it. Um, And then we have Susanna. We don't know much about her. uh, But we do also take note that a lot of these women are contributing their resources to support Jesus, which is worth noting as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, What else I got to you guys? I mean, I get, there's so much here. <laughs> We've talk for a
2: while. Um, if we jump over to Matthew twelve thirty three, about a tree being defined by its fruit, um, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Um, that's something my husband, Tim, reminds me about. I was saying sometimes I'm like a bad fruit. <laughs> he doesn't call it out like that, but he just says like good in, good out is kind of a reminder. Yeah. Like, do I need to look at what I'm taking in? Um, mm-hmm. And because that is what's going to come out.
0: Yeah, I that phrase of whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Um, it's pretty convicting when we think about the words that we do say, um, what's being planted in our hearts. Um, also... The idea that every idle word we say is going to be you have to give an account for someday is like oh Imagine if you had a bummer.
1: daily podcast and <laughs> had to I give it all for all the words. Imagine the it's idle broken. words. Because <laughs> not happen. all of our words even make it onto the final <laughs> count. I know. There's a lot of words.
0: I know. And all the ones we just messed up just in the past five minutes. <laughs>
1: Man, wouldn't that be a bummer if we're like standing before Jesus and he's like, remember when you said that lady's name wrong? She's Uh. actually a really close friend of mine.
0: (laughs) Joanna was not a Jew.
1: I'm Sorry. Uh, Okay. So there's a a verse here that can be very, very confusing. Um, And actually, if you take it the wrong way, you can end up believing some pretty strange things. So there is this this confrontation where the Pharisees are saying that Jesus is able to do what he's able to do basically because he's a partner with Satan. And Jesus just, I think has like this hilarious interchange where he's like, wait a minute, if I'm working for Satan, why would I cast out Satan? It doesn't make any sense. I'm not very good at being a partner with Satan. Um, But then he goes into this thing about if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. Um, And I've actually seen this. You can, you can read into this a bunch of different ways. And I've actually seen this, affect people in a very terrible way, um, where people can come to a place where they believe that what Jesus meant is that if you work against the Holy Spirit, uh, even one time in your whole life, that you're just bound for hell. Um, It was very common, uh, particularly, actually. um, Usually this gets combined with the passages about how serious communion is. And so it's like, well, I was really bitter when I took communion and that is working against the Holy Spirit. And now I'm afraid that I won't enjoy a relationship with God. And I've heard this from very sincere Christian people. So this is just like a short example of why it's important to actually dig into this. And so if you look at what Jesus was teaching uh, consistently throughout scripture it doesn't actually make sense that there would be sins that are unforgivable. Like it, it doesn't make sense that Jesus would be like, well, yeah, I'm here to forgive all sins, except that one. <laughs> right. um, so it's important to understand everything that Jesus is teaching holistically. It's also important to look exactly at what he's saying. So what he's doing when he says that you can't blaspheme the Holy spirit is he's confronting these Pharisees who are saying that God's son, the Messiah is actually from Satan. Right? Well, it turns out if you do believe that Jesus is Satan, that that's actually a is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is a sin that will cause you to not have eternal relationship with God. Right. Like if you don't believe that Jesus is God's son, uh, it will separate you from God eternally. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what's going on here. He's confronting them. He's saying that, hey, if you continue to believe this, it is going to be a problem for you and you will be eternally separated from God um, because it's an unforgivable sin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't mean that if you felt the Holy Spirit leading you some direction and you decide, like, if the Holy Spirit was directing you to talk to somebody on that plane 10 years ago and you decided not to, that doesn't mean you're going to hell. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but I've seen this verse used that way, and it's, it's just not sound with mm-hmm. what's going on.
2: Yeah,
0: it literally has to do with our salvation. Like, it's yes. like, yes. if you're going to reject the Holy Spirit, that means you're also rejecting Jesus as Exactly. Messiah. Exactly. So.
2: exactly. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Did they actually believe that? Or were they just trying to... Hmm get a reaction
1: did did they believe which thing
2: the holy spirit was in cahoots with satan or that like yeah. was i forget how you said that exactly
1: but yeah i i think i mean i think they were using i think they eventually like jesus was threatening their political power mm-hmm. so i think that they were in a place where they're probably willing to say whatever they could say yeah like you know how even today people say outrageous things right, to try to course. take people down i right. think that's yeah. what's going on here uh but i do think there were people that were very sincerely believing that this guy has some kind of satanic power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, that there were Pharisees who initially believed that, but ended up having a relationship with Jesus yeah. and supporting his ministry. So right. it's hard to nail down, you know, specifically what each person thought because they right. didn't all end up in the same place. Yeah. But yeah.
0: yeah. Um, then we have the the parable of the farmer scattering seed. Uh, <laughs> what what's to got to you guys in that parable? Cause we read it several times. And then tomorrow we're going to read the interpretation of it several times. <laughs> so get used to it.
2: <laughs> I hope you like it. Uh, the one thing that I noted was as a farmer, um, the seed goes everywhere. And yeah, it's
0: a good observation.
2: It's not limited to only the fertile places that the, the farmer sows it. Um, so as if we're the farmer telling people the good news of Jesus, we just need to share it with everyone no matter what we th- how they how we think they're going to receive it or how they will receive it cuz that that part isn't up to us in this mm. from what i understand yeah um so just share
0: yeah i think we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but um the 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 rocky soil that accepts the message with joy and then falls away cuz it doesn't have deep roots i think that's um a very uh common problem maybe today i think that like your your spiritual high experiences and like getting really excited about jesus is not the actual test of your faith it's what follows after that so you can get very excited about salvation what's happening and that's amazing but if that doesn't carry you through all these different things that you're going to face in life um then that just it's not real faith
1: yeah i i think um the interesting thing about this story is that the goal of the story is actually not growth. Like if Mm -hmm. if you pay attention to what Jesus is saying, one, I I do think it's really interesting. The farthest, the farmers just throwing seeds everywhere, just not responsible farming. (laughs) Uh, And that that actually would have gotten the attention of the crowd because they would be farmers, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, I would never go out and just throw seeds everywhere. That's Mm -hmm. like, anyway, Um, sometimes we can look at this story and think that the story is about uh, who grew and who didn't. And a lot of times we interpret it that way because we are an individualistic society, and we think a lot about what is in this story for me. And so, if you pay attention to the whole story, what's interesting is there's there's a subtle shift from growth to production. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way that I like to think about this is if you hold one popcorn kernel in your hand, that's what the story's about. One seed. Right. Um, the end of the story is actually not that seed. It's imagine yourself standing in the middle of a cornfield. That's what the end of the story is, and so the harvest is actually the focus. So what hmm. Jesus is saying is that the word goes out everywhere, but the true disciple who honors the kingdom of God and the commands of Jesus is the one who produces a cornfield. Hmm. Um, so it's it's very cool. Like obviously we want to grow, we want to we want to learn, we want to understand the commandments of Jesus so that we can put them into practice. But the point of the story is actually that we are supposed to be producing a harvest, yeah. Yeah. not just growing ourselves, hmm. which is That's good. Uh, I just I just taught this at, in student ministry a couple weeks ago, and it, it, I spent a lot of time in the story. And yeah, it, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. I was like, "Oh my goodness, the story is actually not just about believing the word. Right. It's actually about reproducing the growth."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm.
1: Luke eight, starting in verse one. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Mark 3, starting in verse 20. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? he would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Matthew 12, starting in verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man, who was blind and couldn't speak, was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. One day, some teachers of the religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept in an order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there and so the person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Mark 3, starting in verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew twelve forty six. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, asking to speak with him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak with you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Luke eight nineteen. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Mark 4, 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got in a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plant so it would produce no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Matthew 13:1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Luke 8, 4 One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Mark 4.10 Later when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? The farmer plants seed only by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represent those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted."